Hello, and welcome to Voices from the Sky, a companion podcast to Sky Island Journal, an independent international literary journal where we discover and publish the finest poetry, flash fiction, and creative nonfiction from around the world. Always free to access, we publish accomplished authors side by side with emerging voices. For over 115,000 readers in 145 different countries. My name is Jeff Sommerfeld, co-founder and co-editor-in-chief of Sky Island Journal, and I'm so thankful that you decided to join us here at Voices from the Sky, a Sky Island podcast production where we delve deep into some of our favorite pieces since our journal's inception in 2017, and we go inside the minds and hearts of their creators as they help us explore their literary works more fully. Here at Sky Island Journal, as we get closer and closer to the release of issue 23, winter 2023, we want to take one more moment to celebrate everything that is wonderful about issue 22, fall 2022. This episode is the final part of a trio of brief interviews that feature a few writers and their works from our current issue. The set includes a sampling of the world-class poetry, flash fiction, and creative nonfiction included in issue 22. Previously, we experienced a fantastic poem from Shannon Huffman Polson titled After the Bombs Fall, and she gave us some insights into its creation and its meaning. In our last episode, we heard from Jonathan O'Dell, who shared insights about his life, his writing career, and his first foray into the world of memoir with his stunning creative nonfiction piece, Our Wondrous Monsters. In this episode, I take us overseas to the United Kingdom, where we find Jeremy Dixon, who shares his tremendous flash fiction piece, If I'd Known You Were Coming. Before we get into the piece and its origins, here's a brief bio of Jeremy. Jeremy Dixon lives near the Yorkshire coast in the United Kingdom, where he works as a builder. Having always been a passionate amateur, He's now trying to take his writing more seriously, recently graduating with a BA in English, Literature and Creative Writing from The Open University. He teaches creative writing night classes and has been published in the Glittery Literary Anthology 4 and, of course, Sky Island Journal. I'm grateful to Jeremy for carving out time to meet with me and thankful to live in a world where I can connect with wonderful writers and wonderful people from all over the globe. As we begin our conversation, we talk about his recent publication in issue 22 of Sky Island Journal, which includes our featured flash fiction piece, If I'd Known You Were Coming, which is linked in our show notes. First, I asked him why it feels special to see this piece in publication. Uh, Yeah, it's really important because I don't feel like I've been writing at this level for long. I'm almost making a new start. I finished my degree, my studies, last summer. And a lot of what I've been doing since is trying to find my style and experimenting with what I've learned, really. I feel like I've got all these new tools and I've just got to work out how I'm best going to use them. I've always loved drama. Arthur Miller is my absolute literary hero, Mm -hmm. but I've loved drama always. And um, I want my stories. I know what I want to write. I want my stories to be very dynamic and very vivid. I want them to show rather than tell. And I feel like this story is a real step towards that. When I look at pieces from before it, it feels like a step towards where I want to be. 
So to do that and then have it published is almost a vindication. So it, it feels like I'm moving in the right direction, that I'm doing the right thing. Hopefully having it published is proof, proof to myself and a way of building my confidence that I'm going in the right direction. And the fact that it's a global audience, well, it's just really exciting to think that anybody anywhere could actually be reading my piece. You can hear the authenticity in Jeremy's voice right away. And through the course of our conversation, his kindness is consistently apparent. I love how he mentions his affinity for drama, citing Arthur Miller as his literary hero. And I told him that I absolutely get a sense of theater and drama in his flash fiction piece. If you haven't read it yet, again, it's linked in our show notes, and I won't give too much away, but the basic premise is that our first-person narrator, a woman, answers a knock at the door, and it's her ex, who comes to talk long after their relationship has ended. Thus the title, If I'd Known You Were Coming. At times, it's the vivid descriptions that get me to close my eyes and imagine the scene of this story playing out on a stage. Focusing on the facial expressions and body language to convey the complexities of the situation. But I mentioned that it could also be performed as a monologue with the distinct voice of the narrator. And honestly, the male character wouldn't need to be physically present on a stage at all. We'd still be able to imagine all of it transpiring due to the well-crafted language that Jeremy sets down in this narrative. Yeah. Yeah, that really is what I was hoping for and that that's the direction I want to move in. I, I want to try and be as vivid and dramatic as possible. As you say, I want my stories to be almost as if they're playing out on the stage in front of the reader. Yeah. You nailed it good, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. As readers, we certainly enjoy it as well. And I shared with Jeremy that the first time that Jason, my fellow co-editor-in-chief, and I read this story, we knew that we wanted to publish it immediately. Once I got to the final line, I called Jason. He was on the road traveling across the state, and he said three words, pulling over now. And we got the acceptance letter to Jeremy right away. Next, I asked him how he discovered Sky Island Journal and why he thought our journal might make a good home for this piece. I actually, well, I think I came across Sky Island Journal on Twitter first, and I followed the links back to the website. And as soon as I got there, it was just all about the content. It steered me immediately to the issues, and I just found myself browsing through the issues. And I think what really stood out was the eclectic mix of writers and pieces. I suppose a lot of it actually is the um, the almost anonymous nature of your submissions. So it, it just feels right from the off that it's all about the writing. And the only common factor really I could find was the quality. I've been sitting on this story for a little while and I think it's very difficult to evaluate your own work. It's very difficult to decide how good a piece is. And um, I sort of had a fair bit of confidence in it, but I wasn't sure. And then when I found your journal, it just, it seemed such a high bar. I thought, well, if I'm going to measure it, I'm going to measure it here. That's really why I decided to submit, because 
it was the sort of place I wanted to see it and it was the level that I hoped it was at and I wanted to find out if it was. To be honest, it was as surprising as it was pleasing that it actually made the grade. <laughs> you, you just don't know. You know, it's very difficult when you've written something. You can think it's the best thing you've ever done and then it just goes nowhere. Or you write something and you think, oh, I'm not sure about that. And then it does really well. So I just think it's, I suppose, because we write it and we have confidence in everything we write, it's very difficult to know how other people are going to see it and how it will measure up against other people's work and other pieces. We're so thankful that Jeremy shared this piece with us and that we have the honor to share it with our readers. He's right. When we read submissions, we do so without knowing the author or their bios. So it is all about the words on the page and how they may transport readers intellectually and emotionally. I like how he uses the word eclectic to describe the works he found in previous issues before submitting. When we first developed this journal back in 2017, we wanted to be sure that no issue had limiting parameters about content or style. That was true back then, and that has not changed. We still want quality to be the bar that works are measured by, with no preconceived notions about what the quality work needs to be. I can say with confidence that Jeremy has met and raised that bar with this piece. And next, I asked him what he remembered about the inception. Yeah, well, it actually started off as a bit of a challenge. I set myself that I'm relatively new to reading Flash, and I hadn't ever tried to write a story in such a small word camp. So I really just set off with the challenge of see if I could realise a character and affect some kind of change in such a short word count. So I wanted two things, really. I needed a reason for the change, and I wanted something interesting to show it. And the reason the furious encounter with the ex, I just invented that. That came in the usual way from developing it. But the mice, as a way of showing it, that was Mm -hmm. really just a bit of luck. It was the writing gods smiling down on me, I think. (laughs) Um, Well, I I tend to plan. I tend to plan and take my time. I think about things before I start writing. And while I was in that stage, I noticed evidence of mice in our kitchen cupboards. So I was literally one Saturday morning kneeling on the kitchen floor. The kickboards were piled up in the hall. I didn't have any poison out. You'll be glad to know. Um, (laughs) But I did have some plywood and some mastic. And I was sticking lumps of plywood over the holes, trying to block the route for the mic. And that's where the idea came from. It always takes me time to develop things. I often have an idea that triggers it. And like I say, this was almost a challenge I set myself. It's very rare that I get an idea and I can go all the way through. I usually have to develop develop it but the mice thing that was certainly just a flash of inspiration really one of the elements that makes this story unique is the point of view so i asked jeremy to talk a bit about his decision to use a female first person narrator as the driving force behind the narrative to be honest it's very rare that i write in the first person and i'm sure this all started off in the third person but it just it feels right in the first person. And I do tend to 
favour female characters. When I write with numerous characters, I usually do it from a female point of view, and I, I don't really know why that is. Well, it's been pointed out to me a few times that I tend to. I don't know why. I, I find that more interesting for some reason. But the first person was definitely a break from the norm. It's not something I would usually do. It just seemed to work. I think perhaps with her telling the story, the tense change at the end is more dramatic in the first person. But I'm sure it will have started off in the third and then I would have switched it. <laughs> it's one of the biggest decisions. I think it's one of the biggest decisions we make is the point of view we choose. And then the skill is to stick to that, isn't it? To be consistent. Without a doubt, it was the right decision for Jeremy. And when we started communicating over email to schedule this interview, we had a decision to make again. The narrator is, of course, a female voice. So Jeremy suggested that rather than read the piece himself, he'd prefer to have it read by a good friend and fellow writer. We were so lucky to have Hannah Parsons join us to deliver the fantastic reading of this flash fiction piece, which is coming up very soon in this episode. Since publishing this piece, Jeremy has been busy drafting more flash fiction that we're eager to experience as he continues to develop his impressive literary voice. As we wrap up the conversation, Jeremy and I exchange a few words of gratitude. Thank you again so much for taking time to meet with me here. And You're welcome. Great. Thank you. So, absolutely. Well, thank you again, Jeremy. It's so nice to meet you. you. Yeah, you too. And thanks for having such faith in my piece. It, it really does mean a lot. Listeners, before I sign off, I want to extend a heartfelt thank you to you as well for joining us here at Voices from the Sky. I truly hope this piece and this conversation resonated with you. In the next episode, I'll conclude Season 2 of Voices from the Sky with a final piece and conversation from a previous issue going back to the normal format. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get great podcasts. If you like what you've heard, please consider leaving a five-star review. It helps more people find this podcast, and more importantly, it helps more people find these incredible poets and writers who we admire so much here at Sky Island Journal. You can read this episode's featured piece and all the incredible works of Issue 22, Fall 2022, for free at skyislandjournal.com. In fact, all of our previous issues, 1 through 22, are available on our website, free access for any reader at any time. And remember, issue 23 becomes available on January 21st, 2023, with a brand new set of the finest poetry, flash fiction, and creative nonfiction from around the world. We hope you'll check out our newest issue, and hope you'll continue to join us in the months and years to come. Thanks again. And for now, please enjoy If I'd Known You Were Coming by Jeremy Dixon. If I'd Known You Were Coming by Jeremy Dixon. If I'd Known You Were Coming, I wouldn't have been on my knees on the kitchen floor with the kickboards piled up in the hall. I wouldn't have been wearing my old grey joggers with paint splishes on them or the Spice Girls t-shirt with Sporty's face worn off. The one from the concert that you refused to go to. My hair wouldn't have been tied in a ponytail, and I would have at least sprayed on some deodorant. 
If I'd known you were coming, I wouldn't have been scrambling under the cabinet, scrabbling around in the dust, the flaking paint and decaying insect carcasses spraying out on the crumbly blue cake. Kate. Kate. Really? I wonder whose twisted little joke it was to call them that. But it serves the little freeloaders right for eating my jammy dodgers. I could forgive the muesli. That was an acceptable loss. That was expendable. But the jammy dodgers were a step too far. The jammy dodgers were my Archduke Ferdinand. My Poland. A declaration of war. It annoys me that they never eat a whole one. Just a tiny part of each. I suspect they know this and they're doing it on purpose. The pint-sized sociopaths are laughing at me. And why do they leave the jam? Everyone knows it's the best bit. Stupid little freeloaders. If I'd known you were coming, I'd have ignored the bell, pretended to be out. If I'd known you were coming, but I didn't. So I peeled off my marigold and I opened the door, and there you were. Christ, I said. And like the thoughtless thug that you are, you made a stupid joke. Not quite, you said, but I'll take it. And then you grinned at me. You grinned at my pain. Can we talk, you asked, your grin evaporating into an awkward, gawkish smile. I have nothing to say to you. And then you started talking about how sorry you were and mistakes and second chances. And all I could think about was her fake breasts, fake lips, fake. Sordid, skanky, sodden soul, and you destroyed us for. I watched you then, your tongue slapping the inside of your mouth as the worthless words spewed out. Watched but didn't listen. It was just noise, white noise, tinnitus. You are tinnitus. I watched you realise what you should have known all along that she wasn't worth it, that she wasn't me. I waited for you to pause, to draw breath waited for a moment's silence, a moment, just a moment, to catch my thoughts, to organise my gridlocked mind. But you didn't pause. You just kept turning red and kept talking. I hoped that you might run out of oxygen, faint and fall over, bang your head on the concrete path and bleed out in the gutter. But you just carried on, like you'd overdosed on rom-coms or something. I wondered then if I slapped you, you might shut up. But when I tried to form my hand flat, it made a fist, clenched so tightly that my whole arm dropped. And while you jabbered on, red-faced, false tears welling in your eyes and spittle spraying from your mouth, I wondered if I could punch you. I've never punched anyone, but I thought then that maybe I could punch you. But I didn't. I stood back and I slammed the door. And as you banged on the outside, I sobbed on the inside, and it all came back all the fury, and I burned all over again. But now you're gone, and my anger is subsiding, and I've nearly stopped trembling, and my chest doesn't hurt, and I can breathe again. I enter the kitchen, the scene of my god complex, a destroyer of tiny worlds. What was I thinking? Who the hell do I think I am? Some tin pot dictator, judge, jury, and executioner. I pull on my marigolds and drop to my knees, scooping up the horrible little cakes and dropping them back in the box. They can have them usually. I'll buy a tin for the jammy dodgers. Or maybe I'll leave them just one and see if they'll eat the jam. If I'd known you were coming, I'm holding the last blue cake in my hand. 
It's crumbly. I can rub it into a soft, pale blue dust, like flour. If I'd known you were coming, I have a thought and I smile.